This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler, but don't look at me, I'm hideous. Instead, look over there at Levi Endelman. Hey. Check out Isaac Swantes. Hey, guys. And cast your eyes on Derek Bradley. Hey. <laughs> but Derek, what are you doing here, dude? How come it's taking you so long? I don't know. I didn't really know this existed until a couple months ago, and then that hurts, yeah. dude. I yeah, I know that hurts. Dave's face just went completely amorphous. Like oh. I think I went white. Yeah. <laughs> I never really knew what was going on in these offices, and then. It was you know, it's the hippies in the writing. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> know. This program, the medicine, hippies of medicine. That's fine. That's fine. It's totally fine. I mean, you know, other than the giant sign in the hallway, I can see how you uh, would sort of miss that. It's uh, bright, what, purple in some places and blue. And only like, what, five foot tall? It's, and... it's five feet tall, two and a half feet wide. Yeah. It's pretty small. Easy to miss. Before we get started, I just want to suggest that you head on over to uh, Dr. Ryan Gray's podcast, The Pre-Med Years. And listen to his discussion with Dr. Richard Bedingfield. He's a cardiothoracic anesthesiologist, author of Med School Uncensored, the insider's guide to surviving admissions exams, residency, and sleepless nights in the call room. As you might suspect from that title, it's a, it's, it's a good discussion of the challenges of medical school and how to succeed and conquer those challenges from the perspective of somebody who is a, uh, you know, was not only successful since he is now a, a real doctor, but uh, also somebody who uh, was a non-trad student. And if you, uh, if you do end up reading that book after listening to uh, Dr. Ray's show, let me know. I'd like to know uh, how that goes. I'm not going to read it because I'm not trying to get into med school. But I think... Yet. I, <laughs> what, is it, what is this thing where you people uh, think that someday I'm going to enter? I'm not going to enter med school. That's not happening. I'm not going to apply. Why not, Dave? Because I see how you people live. <laughs> you live a pretty good life. I know. Yeah. You, do, you, you live a pretty good life, but I, as I said before on the show, I was not a very good college student. I don't anticipate that that's changed 25 years on, uh, because while I have the best of intentions, I get, <laughs> I get uh, mentally exhausted very quickly. My teeny tiny brain. And I don't know how you guys do it. I feel you, Dave. <laughs> yeah, well... It's just, you know, it, it reminds me, actually, Levi, you've been walking around past week or so, maybe longer, looking a little like you've been beaten. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're not the only one. We're like that little past the semester midpoint. <laughs> yeah. There was a distinct trudge. There's a precipitous decline in everyone's motivation as yeah. a... And it starts off really high, even like fresh your first year of medical school. You're like, ah, oh, I'm going to do really well. And then you get to the first class, and you're like, oh, this, I'm no longer, I'm just going to do what I need to do to like <laughs> make myself feel like I know the stuff and go. Your ideals go out the window. Mm -hmm. yep. your, uh, your, and, your plans for honors, grades. 
and and you start to pay attention to your own personal health and well-being. Well, that's what I was going to talk about today. Oh. Um, uh-huh. You know, med school, as, as we've implied, can be interesting, tiring, exhilarating, traumatic, wearying, stimulating, all of those things. It's kind of a, it's kind of an up and down trajectory. And all in the same day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it can wear you out. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I've been, I've been sensing a little... Uh, a little, a little uh, lull. So I thought we could start off the show today by affirming, reaffirming ourselves. So uh, starting with you, Isaac, what are two things that you are proud of? Doesn't have to be medical school because, after all, that's a very narrow place to be proud. Oh wow, put me on the spot. Um, I really enjoy the piano, so that's one of the things I've done through undergrad. I kind of took some lessons, but I've continued that. So I'm mm-hmm. proud of being able to play piano. I go up to the hospital every now and then and play for the patients. Sweet. Um, kind of a little cheesy, but I'm, I'm a, a, I volunteer outside of the school. I, I love the school. I love everyone here, but I need to get away. Um, <laughs> so I'm actually a volunteer with the Boy Scouts and I just had a, last weekend took a troop out and I was pretty proud because all my boys did this huge project with a bit of like built a big lashing bridge hmm. and then like a the, lashing bridge. Yes. Yeah, so Maybe you should define that for those of us who aren't Boy Scouts. They uh, take all these, they find random size logs or whatnot that they need to build a bridge of some sort at the entrance of a camp. And then they use all their lashing knots that they learn uh, to m- build the bridge essentially. So they learn to do all their knots all right. and uh, the camp actually kept it. So, so it worked out well. It worked out really well. It's a good, like, proud teaching moment. It was, it was but. like a shitty, <laughs> shitty bridge. <laughs> I wouldn't walk on it. People but died. <laughs> it looks pretty nice. All right, good. Uh, Levi, anything uh, you want to? Uh, I mean, kind of like Isaac, I go over to the hospital every once in a while. There's, I play in a jazz band that, that plays over there. It's a lot of fun. Uh, one of the, the members of our group is, like, this Professor Emeritus 90-year-old guy who comes and jams with us and... Nice. It's it's fun to see him just get get into it and uh, so that that's a lot of fun and then uh, oh man two things <laughs> yeah, we we're only one trick ponies here Dave we can, we can come, come back we can come back what do you okay. I mean we're doing a pretty good job organizing our uh, bench press for the domestic violence intervention mm-hmm. program that's that's going pretty good uh, for any si- listeners in iowa city happening uh november 13th at the carver college of medicine well in Here's iowa or anywhere they don't have to be iowa city only yeah, fly, right fly yeah. in fly yeah. in please yes yeah. cedar rapids airport it's a nice 20 minute drive there's like f- six gates You'll yeah be, it's easy <laughs> yeah. it's like o'hare it is it is the 13th right yeah okay yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, that's uh, that's McCowan Communities yeah. signature, yes, sir. signature uh, fundraising activity. Yeah, that's something to be proud of. Derek, what do you got? Anything? Oh, I'd say the one of the main things I'm proud of is I've managed to hold down a relationship throughout <laughs> the first year and a half of medical Very school. Good. You know, my fiance hasn't left me yet. Very good. <laughs> um, no, but. I like to drive her crazy and you know it gives me joy outside of medicine to just you know drive be a human crazy. and drive people crazy uh-huh. and you know yeah because medicine's kind of sterile sometimes and uh, i'm not a very sterile person yeah. so and yeah i was gonna say you could use a shower <laughs> yeah no, i haven't showered in weeks and, uh, and that okay. new that new cat of yours too no oh, and i have a cat who tears apart the apartment so <laughs> keeps me young things to be proud of uh this conversation uh is sponsored by the dream i had last night 
uh, I did not mention that in the beginning. And mm -hmm. so these are the things that I'm proud of. The first was, uh, I'm proud of receiving the Medal of Honor in my dream last night. Uh, it was awarded to me by an elder, state, elder statesman whose name eludes me because I never knew it. Chuck Grassley. No. Oh, God. No. Uh, I, it's, I never knew the, the name in the dream. It did cause me some anxiety because I knew that during my speech I'd have to you mm -hmm. know, reference that person. Uh, the ceremony was at some Disney park, although it uh, seemed more Six Flags than than Disney. And my whole family was there, my, my wife's family. Uh, I was I was feeling very proud. Oh yeah, in that dream. What did you do to win to earn oh, the medal of honor? I don't know. Oh, you do, you didn't like fill I, in that part? No, I Come don't. On. I don't know. That's like this is your time to shine. Just make something up on the spot. Uh, well, I I do know that the the actual medal of honor was made of fabric of some sort with a thicker gold trimmed rim, almost like a patch. Budget cuts, right? Yeah. <laughs> Government. Medal of Honor ain't what it used to be. <laughs> so it's probably appropriate, you know. Um, and my second thing I'm proud of is that I purposely occasionally go to the bathroom without my phone just so that I can, just so that I can think. That's bold. Hold on. It is bold. That's what I, th yeah. Where does the phone come into play in this? I don't understand. You know what? Come on. You don't, you don't, when you're in the, when you're in the, the little boys room, the little med students room, you don't take out your phone no, and surf the internet. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> that's disgusting. Come on. Everybody does it. No. no. <laughs> if you go to the restroom, you go to the restroom. That's like the, the objective. You don't sit there on your phone. If I want to sit on my phone, I can go into the comfortable couch rather than sitting on a porcelain well, toilet. I guess it's a throne. Just... It's a throne. Porcelain throne. Come on, show of hands. I won't. Uh, I won't out you. I was willing to out myself, but I'm not going to out you. Raise your hands if you take out your phone in the bathroom. I'm the minority. <laughs> <laughs> I just. I'm. That's what I'm saying. Listeners, if you take out your phone in the bath, if you don't take out your phone in the bathroom because, like Isaac, you are a germaphobe, and find the human body disgusting, and uh, <laughs> I'm. <laughs> then let us know. We'd love to hear about that. You can. Email us, email us at theshortcoats at gmail.com or you can, uh, you know, send us a, go to the, our Facebook group, the Shortcode Podcast, the Shortcode Student Lounge and let us know there. I'm going to be leery of using people's phones now. Hey, can I have a oh, phone no, call? Oh, no, no, no. Never use other people's phones because we all know that they are disgusting. I mean, that is, you're, you're right. <laughs> they, uh, you're not wrong. They are disgusting, but you didn't know you why. You, you never knew why. Yeah, I, I guess not. <laughs> you never knew why. You know, that's when I get caught up on my news. Exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm. That exactly. way, if anything surprises me, I'm already there. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Blush. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, I was proud of that. I guess I, I guess I shouldn't be, according to Isaac. <laughs> I, I think you got to start somewhere, Dave. I think that's a great first step. Okay. <laughs> Every other trip to the bathroom, just leave the phone on the table, I guess. Yeah. And then it can you can progress. Certainly not everyone. I mean, so just the thing about this, I may reply to an email from the John. So think about that when you get an email. From me. <laughs> Next week for a short podcast co-host. <laughs> Wonder where Dave's at during this. You yeah. should see if you can like tag a location. You'll on email. never know. I'll keep that a secret. Yeah, when well, your email's asking to use your location. <laughs> Dave's just 
uses every moment. He's super efficient. That's right. Yeah. I, it's a matter of efficiency. Okay. You know? I, I don't have time to take a bathroom break without doing work. That's what I'm all about. You're a busy man. Uh, I do have a show lined up for a release in late November on the business of medicine uh, with some CECOM students who are focusing on the topic uh, in the tech biz poll uh, student group or the and or the uh, what do you call it the healthcare science delivery managed management distinction what? track you on that yeah I am oh cool you could probably join that show I'm not sure we have four if you wanted to join that show. I'll join I'd love to come in all right um give Phil a run for his money oh yeah uh, so one aspect of the biz is how hospitals charge for ER services and uh, Vox is, uh, has begun collecting emergency room bills in an effort to bring to light uh, why emergency bills are, are so high. Um, one article from last year cites the case of an anxious young father who brought his new child to the ER after he cut her trying to trim her nails, resulting in a greater than $600 bill for what amounted to a Band-Aid. So we, so we can talk about that as whether that's a great use of of uh, emergency services. Um, but lots of that amount was due to the rather arcane art of um, facilities charges, uh, facilities fees, the sort that, uh, you know, cover, it's sort of a cover charge for visiting the ER. Yeah. And then all that other, the actual Band-Aid gets yep. sort of put on top of that. It's like a $30 Band-Aid too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, but I, the, the the thing the American Hospital Association is apparently warning all of its members like oh she's this reporter's going to get in touch with you about ER bills you better have your acts together and understand your billing practices and your and your um, you know your your financial support or financial aid I guess they call it financial something or other financial financial assistance programs for uh, for your patients and all that. Make sure you, you all you and your staff understand all of that stuff so that you can respond appropriately. Hmm. Um, but of course, the the Vox article is like, it's a it's a secret, and they and you know they're they're warning their members not to talk to us, which actually isn't the case. I sort of read that read the the memo. It's basically just you know, just be prepared. Just be prepared. They, they want people to know what they're talking about before yeah. they're talking about it. Right, right. It makes. Good policy to live by. That'll totally actually sense. be an interesting article. I'd be, I'm, I'll be curious to see when that comes out to read it um, and see what they find and what they report on. I guess. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. So, getting back to the father in the ER, like I, you know, I try not to be judge judgmental about other parents, um, because I know what it is to be an anxious new parent. But seriously, what, the, what the heck? You know. I... <laughs> I could see like, I, I, the actually, first kid, you know, I think everyone's like, oh my gosh, I like dropped my baby or I like my baby ate something off the floor. They're going to be instantly sick. And then the the next child and the next child, and the next child precipitously just like, ah, they're going to be fine. Yeah, well, like they just ate dirt. It's okay. Yeah. Well, my, I, I actually did this very thing. I, I accidentally cut my kid's finger while uh, trimming his nails when he was a teeny tiny baby and he... You know, I was very upset, and I was traumatized because I'd hurt my my little snowflake, my little baby boy. And uh, but I did not go, I did not go to the ER. Nor did I think that it was you know the the end of his life. Aze okay. forgives you. He, yeah, he's he still doesn't he doesn't remember. You know, he's fine. 
Oh man! But you're right. There is a there is a first child, second child effect there <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for sure. Just because he doesn't remember Dave does not mean it's okay. Yeah. He you know so, he might have like subconscious traumatization from that yet. I, you know what? Totally. Because no, I could totally, I could totally <laughs> see it. I could totally see it. But you know, I did not take him to the. Had I taken him to the ER, I don't think that would have helped that. No. Yeah. More traumatizing. That's right mm-hmm. for both of you. But I mean, he would have been would have been held down or something. Uh, anyway, don't you don't need to take your kids to the ER for that? Not for that. No. I mean, we have local doctors' offices, urgent care clinics. You have, or just the good old band aid in the medicine cabinet yeah. would work don't, too. But it's fine. Do Do you guys talk much about uh, the that sort of the business side of? of uh, healthcare in your what we've uh, been we we do talk about that we talk a lot about um right now with there's a big the whole macro situation that's a new policy set out by the federal government for how medicare will um will start changing billing for physicians and we talk a lot about how that will affect us in hospitals in general and how we we take these quality assurance measures that we're trying to make our your outcomes good for your patients and if they are that's great you get x amount of the savings that the hospital gets or if it's not you get penalized on your reimbursement rates that's what we've been really focusing on um the whole like business of insurance and how hospital determines what they're going to bill is a black box that we, i don't think really anyone truly understands it um other than the people that actually set the prices yeah, um, i'm not sure they do either it just part like, of me part of me wonders if they're just like well, I don't know let's just charge this and see, <laughs> let's see if we're in the black by the end of the year well the big problem is you have so many different insurers that pay different rates right. so you have to charge the highest amounts because you're not going to get what you charge the only one that's going to actually pay the sticker price for the hospital bill is the person that doesn't have insurance yeah. um, then insurance companies do their whole negotiation thing and it's not a it's not a simple problem it's for not sh- for sure and uh, I guess that I don't know I guess it always puzzles me that people think it's just the Band-Aid or the pill that they got that's... Oh, no. That's the expensive part. Um, that's seems very... That seems very naive. No. But uh, what do I know? I don't know things. So you could be a medical student, Dave. Yeah, you're like halfway there. I mean, I'm pretty sure... You, don't you have an honorary MD in here somewhere from all of your years being at the College of Medicine? Well, I've never gotten one. We'll but, get you one. Okay. I It'll be my my dying carver of college medicine. Wow, you're you're gonna die. You're planning on dying? I don't know. I hope no. not. Uh, uh, <laughs> you need to be that. I want to come to Doctor Bradley's clinic and meet the Texan like cowboy Doctor Bradley that you were talking about before the show. I want you to be just like that doctor. Tell us about Let's, tell us about that experience. Oh, so this summer <laughs> like, oh. I got to work with a doctor and get the bleeper ready yeah he was pretty hands off basically let me do what i wanted but his uh interpersonal communication style was not what they teach in medical school Mm -hmm. i teach you to be very formal and sterile and don't use profanity and things along those lines but (laughs) he greeted his patients uh, you know john how the f are you doing you know what the hell is going on with you those kind of things and I about had a heart attack my first day with him. I was like, oh, my God, I don't know what's going on. It's terrifying. Um, but, yeah, he was great to work with because one night, it was like 3 in the morning, he's like, hey, you've gone through your OB rotation, right? It's like, 
no, I'm a first year medical student. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay. And this is like in front of the patient, like the patient's sitting there, like right. straddled up, getting right. ready to deliver a baby. He's like, oh, well, since you've already had your OB rotation, I'm going to give you a quick <laughs> review and gave me a quick, like one minute rundown on how to deliver a baby. And basically like, don't drop it. But if you do, they bounce. And, and he's like there's your chair deliver the baby and i was like what the hell it's three in the morning i don't know what's going on and do you want me to deliver a baby and i was like okay so i delivered a baby and he's like oh great job Derek. that was just outstanding i mean you know people have been delivering babies without doctors for millennia yeah i mean it's i, I can see that i think he's <laughs> I think it's uh he's taking an awful risk there, but you know. Yeah, he was he's like over my shoulder the whole time, like, Oh, you're doing a good job <laughs> And I was like, Really? He's like, Yeah, really delivering babies just sitting there, like not doing anything until it comes out and then the nurses basically do everything. So <laughs> yeah. well, did the mom uh was the mom paying attention to any of this? Yeah, we were having a conversation. She's like, Oh, how many babies have you delivered? And I was like, Oh, I've assisted with nine others this summer. Oh, so you're like a veteran at this. I was like yeah. Something like that. <laughs> sure. Whatever you want. Nice. Nice. I, I, you know what? I could get along with that with that with that guy. Oh, I loved him. He was great to work with. Yeah. I I often call myself the least professional member of the Office of Student Affairs and Curriculum. Um at least in terms of like manner and uh because you know, I don't take myself very seriously at all. Um and this isn't a this it really isn't a knock on other people you know i'm not trying to say that you know people shouldn't take themselves seriously or whatever i just it's just not my my thing so you know i'll i'll occasionally swear during meetings and and uh you know environments that nobody else will um you lighten the mood dave well i lighten my mood <laughs> did, did did you try to lighten the mood during lcme week i didn't you know what i i thankfully <laughs> did not <laughs> nobody asked me to participate okay um, I did have one or two things to do during that week behind the scenes, sort of last minute. Hey, we need to, you know, find out more about this kind of kind of question. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I, it would be terribly unwise to to, you know, put me in that situation. <laughs> I think I've been all right. You, mean, I, you think so? I think so. I can code switch a little bit. Yeah, mm. I wouldn't swear during that <laughs> <laughs> during during that uh, sort of thing. Or if I did, I would apologize. <laughs> but I'm, I'm still amazed that you delivered a baby that's oh I, yeah i didn't know what was going on it was like an hour later and i was like wow i delivered a baby and like it's not dead <laughs> like i didn't i didn't drop it i didn't kill it like it's a happy healthy baby I'm like wow this is crazy I, look at it this way you know like delivering the baby is like the scariest process known to man it is scary but <laughs> at some point the hospital is going to let the parents take it home and the parents have no clue <laughs> if they're first especially if they're first and they have no clue what they're doing and they will invariably walk out to the car put the kid in the car sit in the car and then go wait a minute they're letting me take this thing home you know so and they have the I rest guess. of their lives to screw up the baby to drop the baby i had 15 minutes uh, yeah i mean how much how much harm could you really accomplish is that a challenge? Or no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I don't. I don't advise trying. No, no. To, to do that. Um. Anyway, 
my goal is to get through my OB rotation without having to deliver a child. Probably not going to happen. But yeah, I mean, I don't like it's OB. It's been done. It's and not that bad. It's, it's not great. It's, it's frightening, Dave. It's the it, it, number two fear on my list. It is not. That, it's, it's number not, one. Spiders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, I okay. like will scream. It's it's pretty bad. Okay. Hopefully. She doesn't deliver a spider. That would be the worst. Oh, man. That's like Halloween from hell. Now, look. <laughs> having been through two, I can tell you that it, it's not that bad. It really isn't that bad. There is more uh, secretions involved than you would ordinarily uh, experience yeah. in, you know, other. But no more than like, you know, what, like what, what, what's your, what's your, what do you think at this point? What do you think your specialty is going to be? Like, what would you say is your near the top? Um, dermatology or ortho. Okay. So, we have, you know, ortho where you're going to have disgusting compound fractures and, you know, bones sticking out of bodies, right? That's possible. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got dermatology, which uh, involves a lot of rashes and, and it, th- it's things interesting like that. things, though. Like, I know. That, uh, yeah. Big loaded boils. Yeah. You're going to. You're gonna Doctor Pimple Popper the the shit out of that. Heck yeah, um, <laughs> that's not that's more disgusting, I think, than giving birth. No, I think giving birth is a beautiful thing. I started off thinking that the best specialty ever would be dealing with development because development is by far the coolest process that you learn about. Mm. So all the way up to the point where the baby is gonna come out and then be like, I'm done. Sorry, not my job. <laughs> And then getting the newborn and be like neonatal. Okay. And there's a specialty for this I've learned. It's called maternal fetal medicine. Okay. Ooh. Awesome. Downside, you have to do an OB again, <laughs> yeah. residency to do it. Yeah, so, they probably make you do a little bit. Yeah. So not, not my thing. You'd have to deliver a baby or two. Yeah. Fair. I don't think you can get through a residency without having to deliver a child. What did uh. you? What was your reaction to this? Uh, how did you feel about this, Derek, when you delivered the baby? Was it like, oh my gosh, I clearly... It wasn't a problem for you, I think. No, it was honestly like pretty anticlimactic. Like it seems like it'd be like this high stress, like oh god, baby's gonna shoot out like a rocket. But like, <laughs> really, you just kind of like sit there and you're like, well, baby's not out yet. Keep pushing. You're like a cheerleader, really. You're just sitting there like, oh, keep going, good job. Do a little guiding, maybe. But yeah, and then all of a sudden, baby shoots out. You and you're like, well, baby. catch the baby, put it on mom's stomach. You're like, well, it's great. And then after that, that's when, like, things can go wrong because mm-hmm. mom can start bleeding everywhere or things like that. And then you have to deliver the placenta, All which right. that's more disturbing. Yeah. This is a giant sack of ground beef is what it looks like. And <laughs> yeah, 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 I could see that. Um, <laughs> Levi, have you experienced this joy yet? Uh no, but I've I've been to about the an, an equal level of you know nasty fluids flying around. Well, you were an EMT. Right? No, no, you were not an EMT. I- no, I, I did a lot of uh, I did a lot of ortho shadowing this summer. Oh, Isaac was an EMT. Then. Yeah, okay. yeah, I was a CNA though. Okay, CNA. You dealt with your fair share of fluids then. Yeah, yeah, oh. like C diff and yeah. So, good I don't stuff. Know. I think I think you should just jump right in. I think you should. This week. This week? Do it. Arrange for some sort of experience somehow. I... Do it. Just jump right in. You know, one of my small group facilitators last last year, Abby Harden Fairbanks, one of the doctors here. Oh, my gosh. She's awesome. Yes. L- love Dr. Fairbanks. 
I might have to try to do this and get over my fear just for the short coat and document it. I will. Wow. It, it, it could be something where we walk in. I'm assuming that's going to happen is I'm going to come in there I'm, and it's going to start happening and I'm going to turn white as a sheet and just drop. <laughs> they give yeah. you a stool to sit on. That's the best part. Uh, so you can't might pass need it. out. So the, the passing out thing is a, I think a thing that many people either fear or experience. Um, and you, and you never know like who it is. that's gonna, that's gonna hit the bricks. I don't think there's any, like, like you can't look at somebody and go, Oh, they're too tough to, to pass out. Uh, it's just a thing that happens. It's some sort of autonomic little nervous syncopal episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. People keel over into the body or into the, into the patient <laughs> kind of thing. You'll be fine. They watch out for you. People believe me. <laughs> they watch out. If you look at all, like you're going to, like yeah. you're gonna hit the floor. Like, oh, we gotta, They're like, oh, gotta take care we of that got one. <laughs> you, you, you can tell. I was I, I shadowed one time, uh, and there was, it was two two students there, and I was up there. It was a surgery. I think it was a double mastectomy, and there, uh, I was up there like by the anesthesia screen, like, oh my god, this is so cool. And I'm like motioning the other student, hey, you want to get up here? Like, come look at this. It's so awesome. You're like, oh no, it's okay. I'm I'm fine. Well, back to the floor. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> happens to the best of us. Good news, guys. This week, Donald Trump declared the opioid epidemic to be a national emergency. Uh, three weeks ago or three months ago, he said he would do so. And now he's delivered on that promise, although in a sort of disappointing way. So one main effect is to waive regulations that slow down resources going to the uh, going to combat the epidemic. So allowing states to use federal funds for HIV to deal with opioid addiction um, because the two things are closely linked. Uh, it'll allow health and human services to increase staffing to cope with the issue. And patients will be able to use telemedicine to get medication-assisted treatment. Uh, it will allow people addicted to opioid to get grants previously reserved for victims of natural disasters. And it will open up the Public Health Emergency Fund to deal with the opioid epidemic. That fund, by the way, has $57,000 in it right now. Oh, so that, yeah. that'll make a big impact. Anyone notice what's lacking here? <laughs> just, yeah. Money. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit. Just a little bit of money. Um, yeah, nothing in here, I guess, except arguably the health and human services increase in staffing. Nothing here has any money associated with it yet. Uh, could be just a first step. Um, and it's kind of unclear how far Trump and Congress is willing to go. Although Senate Democrats apparently revealed a bill this week that would uh, uh, allocate 40, 45 million on the epidemic of the 78 million, I think, that they project they might need. Mm -hmm. um, although no GOP senators have, have signed on to this yet. So it's a little bit unclear how far they're going to they're going to yeah. go. I mean, at this point, acknowledging the issue and, you know, doing something is better than doing nothing. It's a step in the right direction at the very least. Is it really, though? I mean, the question is how big of a step is it? Is it just like, oh, that's a problem. Yeah. There we go. I don't know much about this process, this emergency declaration process. It seems yeah. like, you know, you know, the, the national emergencies get declared all the time for things like tornadoes and hurricanes and all that kind of stuff. I don't really, I don't really have a firm grasp on how... Where the money comes from? Where, where where the money comes from, whether it 
even does anything other than say, yes, we acknowledge that this is kind of a problem right now. And it could even be the effect, too, that, you know, the president says something and people will follow. I wish that would be. <laughs> I wish that worked, especially at this presidency, but. Eh, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's not going to make a big difference. I don't think. There has to be more. There yeah. has to yeah. be more. I mean, everybody agrees. Yeah. I, I think probably even, you know. Well, I hope even the Trump administration knows that yeah. this is not the end of the of the of the pride. This is not a done. Yeah. A, a cured situation. I have a friend from undergrad who's now one of the forensic chemists in Ohio. Mm. Um, and her there's a CNN story about it, about her coroner's office specifically, maybe a month ago or so that they had they've been having so many opioid overdoses in their county that they've been like renting cooler trucks because they don't have enough body coolers oh, yeah. to go through all the mm -hmm. things yeah. um i mean at that like that's a huge problem yeah. right um yeah in my hometown there was a story in my hometown newspaper in uh, uh in falmouth massachusetts of you know the big toll that the epidemic has taken on that town which i don't know i guess it wouldn't have occurred to me but it's a problem everywhere Falmouth is this really nice picturesque Cape Cod town where, uh, you know, it's got a pretty good tourist industry and, uh, and it's a very pleasant, you know, nice place to live. <laughs> but underneath it all, there's this other thing. I think um, I have to do a little shout out because University of Iowa students here have set up this opioid epidemic uh, um, summit that they've done the past two years. This is a redu harm reduction, harm reduction, harm reduction coalition. summit. Correct. Coalition, right. Um, and actually... I think one of our colleagues, well, two of them, I guess, Sarah Ziegenhorn and John Birdsell, they went and talked at the state uh, house mm -hmm. and on the floor and talked about this issue, trying to um, raise certain points like you need to make things more accessible. And one of the things that's come out of this is a standing order for Narcan, which is the opioid reversal agent. Mm -hmm. So you no longer in the state of Iowa need to have a prescription from a physician to get this. You can go to the pharmacy and get this for your loved one or whatever if they're at risk. Um, cost is still another thing to deal with, but that is like a step now that I think that maybe even could do maybe on the national scale. Mm -hmm. That's something they could push for. And they're really advocating too for uh, clean needle exchange programs too because... Uh that that's part of the issue with uh you know opioid and that you know that's the link the iv drug use between uh, uh opioid addiction and uh, hiv and hepatitis c so they're really advocating for these uh uh you know more more access to uh, clean needle exchange programs mm -hmm. to reduce the incidence of hiv and hep c and sort of to uh, try to eliminate that that link as a public health initiative yeah uh yeah it's i think it's really cool that uh that our students were involved not only in the state house thing but also in just the the creation of this conference mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. uh, i mean physicians from all over came here for ceus to get educated right. on this pro on this huge topic it's a phenomenal opportunity for super, co super cool and there seems to be a an appetite for more mm -hmm. information and more uh work to be done which is good it's good news it's only just starting. What else do you guys want to talk about this week? Because I'm at the end of... Winter is here. 
so any game of thrones fans shouldn't get that but um i just got a text message from my mother this morning who i live in i'm from north central iowa and there was snow on the ground nice and it's october 27th i say nice in a completely ironic way Mm. do you like winter or do you you... i love winter i I used to love it more when i didn't have to shovel my driveway but i bought a house and now i'm like actually responsible for that get a snowblower yeah spend the money Spend it, but get a get a used one if you have to. But that's, that's not my. in our uh, cost of attendance. Oh, <laughs> take a take out a loan. <laughs> You'll be happy. My stipend won't cover that. <laughs> I, I, actually, I actually bought my snowblower from uh, two medical students as they left town. Really? When they graduated, so uh, you could do it. I'll I'll try. You can uh, buy Dave's next snowblower. Yeah, Dave. Why don't you buy a new one and then I'll buy your used one. Good idea. There you go. Um, <laughs> he says I ironically. Said, I haven't actually had to use it in the past few years. Really? So, because it's been, you know. Last year, there's a couple of days you probably could have used it. Yeah, I didn't. I no, just, it was like two inches. Yeah. That's not snowblower material. I, yeah, you get out the, it's it's faster to just, you know, plow the driveway with your snow shovel, just run back and forth real quick and be done with it. See, if I do it though, like, if I have like an area where if you drive over it, that kind of compacts that snow makes it like super like oh, hard. I, yeah. I it bothers me. I, I have to scrape it all off. I don't shovel the very end of the driveway. Oh yeah. That's just not my, it pisses my wife off <laughs> to no end, but I'm like, no. At home, we have a big snowblower on the front of a tractor, so we can just go down right. our lane. You know, it's like a half mile long. So, were you so, into were you into like winter sports and, and snowmobiling and things like that? Yeah. So a lot, I just, of, a lot of Iowans and I had a snowmobile. It was a lot of fun. Um, Man, that would be cool. Yeah. It was, there's a lot of good trails. Toys. That's how to make me enjoy winter. Toys <laughs> is toys. We used to have a truck that had a snow plow on the front of it that you could just take on and off during the winter, and man, you could clear out a three-car driveway in five or six passes. Yeah, yeah, that would. I'd be all right with that. So there you go, Dave. Instead of but so you could buy you have your snowblower, mm-hmm. and that I guess could be considered a toy if you like enjoy like enjoy snowblowing your driveway. Maybe you could buy it, a snowmobile. Enjoy is a strong word. But enjoy is a strong word. <laughs> I don't. I don't hate it. Now. Tolerate. Tolerate now. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, d- anybody, let's see. What's the farmer's almanac say about our... Apparently, uh, it's supposed to be a bad winter. Is it? My fiance's grandma was telling me all about it in the nursing home a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and I was like, oh, LaVon, you're a wild woman. She Levon. can feel it in her bones. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, I was reading the newspaper. And I was like, okay. Like, it doesn't snow in Iowa City, though. Not like, much. compared to really above, doesn't. like, Highway 20 in Iowa... It'd be like, we got two inches here. My mom's like, oh, we got 16 inches last night. I don't understand this weird line that apparently runs through Iowa where, you know, above a certain highway, yep. it yeah. doesn't snow. Yeah, like, <laughs> you can't have fun down here with the amount of snow we get. Like, you can't drift your car around street corners. Okay. <laughs> You can't do reckless redneck stuff like you can do in northern <laughs> Iowa. Yeah. Oh, it's not uh, just rednecks. Yeah. I used to do that in Falmouth, too, but, you know. Us northern Iowans. Yeah, we're all three from north Iowa. That's kind of a awesome little yeah yeah camaraderie. What's the difference between northern Iowa and the... Re- and What's the difference between northern Iowa and Iowa City? For our listeners who are not from Iowa. So, I'll give you an example. Yeah. North north iowa is an awesome place to live in my entire my <laughs> iowa city sucks like an electrolux <laughs> so <laughs> my entire uh childhood we never locked our house ever uh, yeah ever um and we left for vacation once and we left the garage door open <laughs> and we came back like 
I don't know, like a week later or something from the Wisconsin Dells and our doors were all locked and we're like, what in the world's going Cause we don't have a house key. We don't like, we never had to you don't have a house key. <laughs> well, we, we never let, locked never, the door. Never needed. So dad had to break a window out of their back thing to get into the house. And like a week and a half later, a, one of our neighbors, like from across the section had come, uh, drove by and he's like, yeah, I saw your, uh, house is all opened up and the notes for like four or five days. So then I went in there and finally like noticed everything was unlocked. So we went there and locked your doors and closed your garage door for you and then left. That's, that's very nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just the, it's just the people up there Okay. and you can do a lot more fun things. You know, people say Iowa city and Des Moines have all these things to do in rural Iowa. There's a lot of fun things you can do that you can't do in town. Like what? Well, you can go <laughs> do, do a lot of redneck things, but <laughs> so dr- drifting around corners. Yeah. Or you take, cover that one. you go. take your pickup and you get an old satellite dish, like the big, like seven foot satellite dishes. <laughs> I know where this is going. Uh-huh. And then you tie it behind the pickup and use it as a giant sled and you go around your field and you ramp it around, you know, nice. Go out to the country and uh, shoot pop cans with a 12 gauge. All right. All right. I never did that one. I mean, yeah. we, shot, we shot stuff, but no. Or bowling balls. That was even more fun. Bowling balls. You should have had a YouTube channel. Uh, there's already YouTube channels I for know. that. I know. But it could, the world could use one more. Life in North Iowa. Red, YouTube channel. Yes. Redneck shooting <laughs> bo- bowling balls uh, channel. I'm trying to think. What else did we do? When there, one time we went up to... So I have to define this because I, when I went to undergrad as, um, in Davenport, which is another like major metropolitan area in, uh, in Iowa... Um, I had a friend from Chicago who had never been on a gravel road uh-huh. and I said elevator <laughs> like oh we went to the top of the elevator once so my mm. family farmed and all that mm, yep. I can just imagine like and he's the like, grain elevator what do you mean by elevator and I'm like where you put all your grain he's like what are you talking about? I'm like, and like, so what those big concrete buildings you put, like you see in these small rural Iowa towns, those are called elevators or grain elevators. You put all your corn there. That's where you sell it and things like that. Oh, like the light turned on. Mm-hmm. But like, that's another thing, you know, you go on the top of the elevator, like had a couple dates, you know, you go to the top of the elevator with you and the person you're on a date with, and you can have an awesome view. Oh yeah. You know, that's, that's a rural Iowa thing. So there you go. That sounds like a nice place. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a nice place to live. The more I live in the Midwest, the more I think I should, probably should have been born here. But, uh, you know, at least my children can be native Iowans. Exactly. And like you vicariously can have your native Iowan through your, your children. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You've already survived the bitter cold. It's not that bad. Yeah. It, it when, really isn't that when bad. When I moved all. here, when I moved here, I was warned that I should, you know, do all sorts of special things to get prepared for the horrible winters. I think everybody thought I was moving to like Minnesota or something. Or like North Dakota. North Dakota. No. I don't even know. Oh, uh, North Dakota's bad. Yeah, it is. Up yeah. by Fargo. Yeah. It's like oh. nothing there. It's not that bad. If you're if you're from California you're thinking about coming here. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Bring it bring a jacket. We have tons of Californians that some whom have you been on the show that will will corroborate that story. It's yeah. not that bad. Yeah. And some of them, you know, get to see snow for the first time. That's yeah. right. It's a good thing. Random question. Yeah. Derek. Yeah. So Derek, you grew up on a farm, right? Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. So, or even in rural Iowa, Levi, you did too. Yeah. We had a family farm. Um, Do you guys lose track of like where you're at in the season because you can't see the corn? I'm going to, I'm just going to continue to like strengthen and reinforce every Iowa stereotype, I guess, on this, this short coat podcast today. But 
for me, like when I in town, you, you, you know, you know, it's September or October, or whatever. But it really doesn't sink in until like I go home for some reason, and all of a sudden I look and like all the corns like getting harvested. And it's like, uh, whoa! Yeah. It's, it's kind of a it's a it's a little <laughs> bit of a wake up call. You go, oh, all these green fields are gone. Yeah, it's like yeah. okay, and, but yeah, it's like oh, for me, I'm like oh, it's fall. Yeah, and like I went back home a couple weekends ago, and on our way back, my fiance and I were driving around. And, like oh man hey things are starting to be harvested here and then we're like oh next time we come back everything's going to be out of the fields and then it's like basically winter yeah. so you're, t- you're talking about the the intellectual knowledge that it's fall versus the visceral yeah crack. like oh it's fall like yeah. anecdotal like, exactly. uh, right yeah. i gotta get my boots out because there's gonna be snow coming soon that's right mm-hmm. like, well I don't know. <laughs> I'll probably You're just like, oh, I'll, this is going on. <laughs> this is just not salvageable. Yeah, <laughs> these Iowans. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know what I don't know what you people are talking about. But that is our show, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with me, and thank you, listeners, for making us part of your week. If you like what you heard today, leave us a review on iTunes, just like the Doc Seven recently did. Or you could talk about it, just about anything else you'd like to talk about in our Facebook group, Short Code Student Lounge. Or you can uh, send us your thoughts at the short, to the shortcoats at gmail.com or leave us a message at 347-SHORT-CT. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox. And our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week. Thank you.